This is Connected to Chicago with Bill Cameron. What's going on in Chicago? What the hell is going on? Covering the big ideas. If you do not feel well, for God's sake, stay home. Save lives. The tough choices. Guacamole? No, I like guacamole. And the only three ways a Chicago alderman leaves the city council. The ballot box, the jury box, or the pine box. Now, Bill Cameron. Chicago's longest-serving mayor, Richard M. Daley, turned 79 on Saturday. He served for 22 years as mayor from 1989 to 2011. His 79th birthday is a good time to hear him again. Scrutiny, what else do you want? You want to take my shorts? <laughs> yeah, break. How much scrutiny do I have? You go scrutinize yourself. I get scrutinized every day. Don't worry from each and every one of you. It doesn't bother me. Richard M. Daley, Chicago's longest-serving mayor. 22 years in the job, slightly longer than his legendary father, Richard J. Daly. Many people call it a lot of names. We don't pay any attention to them because you know what uh, one of the great presidents in Illinois said. He doesn't get the time to read everything that's said against him because if he did, he wouldn't be able to do anything. So I think that applies to a fellow in public office. If he's trying to do what's right and he gets the best advice from the people that know and he makes a decision then he should go ahead and not be concerned about the harping critics, some of which never constructed anything in their life and never will. There's a certain part of our society that they're against everything, no matter what they suggest. If you suggest a sermon in the mound, they think it should be corrected. <laughs> like his father, you didn't always understand what the son said, but you always understood what he meant. There's all the manner of prerogative, but when it comes to a statement that kids are not welcome to Grant Park, that's not an all aldermanic prerogatory. Make that prerogative, as in the alderman who used his aldermanic prerogative to block Daly from moving the Children's Museum to Grant Park. And across the street from Grant Park, there's the Spertus Institute. The Spertus Institute is a very important part of our city's educational and cultural fabric. Sometimes he pronounced a word correctly, but wished he hadn't said it at all. Well, he, they're already built out there, so he can piss, uh, push all he wants. <laughs> push, excuse me. When news stories made it look like police applicants were leaving exam rooms to compare answers in the bathroom, Daly said this. You can't go in your pants, guys. Well, give me a break. Daly seemed to have a fixation with pants. And, and next year is going to get worse than this year. And, and it's only been really, when you think about June, July, August, September, October, November, now December, once January comes, hold on to your pants. But sometimes one of his programs needed a little tweaking. I'm very proud of the program. That doesn't mean you, you can't fix it or, 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 or twink it. Yes, but it's a good program. So Daly could be flexible. Well, we have a lot of alternatives. A lot of alternatives. One thing you, you do, uh, you have a lot of alternatives, and you look at a lot of alternatives. What are they? There's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, L, P. But what about that Meals on Wheels program? We, we have wheels and meals. But when it comes to restaurants, no mice allowed. Well, you don't want a mouse in your sandwich, do you? Give <laughs> me a break. You know, let's not. We're not closing them down. They're closing themselves down. But what about guacamole? Guacamole? No, I like guacamole. I mean, <laughs> no. No, no, guacamole is not dangerous. I mean, it's very good for you. <laughs> when Daly was Cook County State's Attorney back in the 80s, he tried to get an order to cease and desist, but it came out like this. Uh, we have an agreement to cease and desist. His father famously got it backwards during the convention riots of 68. The policeman isn't there to create disorder. 
The policeman is there to preserve this order. Back then, his press secretary went into damage control mode and told reporters to write what he meant, not what he said. The Sun got it backwards on putting some skin on the game. We're putting money in the skin with our economic stimulus package. And speaking of money... What really makes narcotics uh, so uh, lucrative is the money. And what about that drug, ecstasy? Ecstasy, they, they believe this, this type of drug is more dangerous than any other drug. When it came to the culture, Daly was mighty proud of his One Book, One Chicago program. We are really fortunate to have a uh, distinguished group of writers uh, uh, here in our city, the history of our city, as we all know from Gwendolyn Brooks and Sal Bellow and, and Uptown Sinclair. Daly wasn't always good at introducing famous people like John Cougar Mellencamp. At this time, I'd like to introduce uh, uh, John Mellencamp. His father wasn't much better talking about the famous. Copernicus, after the great uh, Polish astronomy, astrologist that uh, did so much to bring about help and assistance to the entire mankind and to the world. Daly the Sun was not great at spelling. That is state money. Underline that. S-A-T-E, money. And sometimes he had trouble counting. The farther we push this off, then you into July, then you into August, then you only have September, October, November, and December. Those are only four days. Other times, Daly didn't get the proportions just right. We had a huge presentation, very small. And he didn't always get the grammar right. I think people are much more smarter. But Daly was smart. When he agreed with something, he'd tell you. Yeah, why not? But if he thought you were asking about something silly, he'd tell you that, too. It is silly. It is just silly. Silliness, that's all it is. On the other hand, Daly loved the idea of a 2016 Chicago Olympics. Our plan is financially conservative, reasonable, and, and feasible. But he was really disappointed when Olympic politics beat him at his own game and quickly rejected Chicago in Copenhagen. I was shocked. I was disappointed. I couldn't believe it. Corruption, of course, was a big problem. 2004's hired truck scandal was a big one. It's embarrassing, and that's why I'm making steps. I, I look at the issue. I'm not afraid to run away from it. And that wasn't the first time corruption had him talking in reverse. I think everyone's for corruption, both in the private and public section. His father, though, took a different approach to fraud. You don't prevent it in your business, in the radio. There's a lot of fraud goes out to that. <laughs> Everyone is human. What the fellow said is about... So much is honest and so much is dishonest. And the ballots could get, would get by with it if they could, if thought they could. So you will prevent all of this. You, you do the best you can. Nearly two dozen scandals swirled around the second mayor daily over the course of his 22 years as mayor. But he was never charged with any wrongdoing. You think I'm that crazy as mayor of the city of Chicago to sit here and start making deals after 10 years being mayor? And when the infamous John Burge police torture case was in the headlines, Daly denied ever condoning torture. Do you think I would sit by that anyone say that police brutality takes place, I know about it, that I had knowledge about it, and I would allow it? Then you don't know my public career. You don't know what I stand for. His father wasn't afraid of being investigated. Let me get the record straight. As long as I've been the leader of this organization, I've never asked any man or woman to do anything or to receive any pledge of any kind to do anything wrong in holding their public office. And everyone knows. That's because he always claimed good government is good politics and good politics is good government. If you don't do anything that's wrong, well, you shouldn't worry if 15 of them want to investigate you. And they've been... 
they've been investigating me for 30 or 40 years. And his son always denied he ever rewarded his pals with city contracts. And everybody's my friend, you know. I think you're my friend once in a while, right? <laughs> then you deny it. Then I'll deny it. Then we're friends. When you need help, you become my friend, right? right. You come to me with your suggestions. And no, I mean, that's, I guess it's part of public life. And living in a, a great city like, like, I know many, many people. I grew up in Bridgeport, and every person who grew up in Bridgeport since the beginning of time are my friends. Mayor Daley liked most reporters most of the time, but if he didn't want to answer your question, he'd say this. See, I, I don't know. I could find out. Yeah, I don't know. And once, when he didn't want to answer a lawyer's question under oath, he simply said, I don't know what I knew. But if you asked a personal question about a misstep in the family, look out. Here he is in 2004 when a reporter asked him what kind of disability pay his paratrooper son Patrick would receive if he were wounded in combat. You owe me an apology and him an apology. I think that is a terrible question. I think you just mind your own business now. That is a terrible question. You have no right to ask me that. Daly would go up an octave when a reporter said something he thought was ridiculous. What? Social promotions? You're out of your mind. <laughs> and he did it again in 92 when asked about the discovery of some of his cronies in a proposed Galena riverboat deal. No, I'm not involved in anybody with Galena. I'm the mayor of the city of Chicago. I don't know what your paper says. I'm not involved in anybody that invests out there. Uh, are your paper involved in it? What do you mean, trying to? Are you trying to accuse? Wait, are you accusing me of of having an interest? No, no. Sir. Okay, you have a lot of nerve on that. Daly's father usually didn't get so worked up with reporters. I don't. Uh, answer the twisted, you know, polluted uh, imagination of journalistic enterprise. His son just didn't think reporters should be placed on a high platform. Never seen an accountant or a doctor terminated or a journalist terminated? Very few. Amazing, isn't it? So as we place them on a platitude much higher than us. Got to watch out for putting us on a platitude. Now, the first Mayor Daley did get worked up with anyone he thought was a faker. Back in 71 in the city council, he blew his stack at Alderman Dick Simpson, a UIC professor. Simpson had just accused Daley of nepotism for appointing the son of floor leader Thomas Keene to the city's zoning board of appeals. Where are we going with this kind of a society? And where are we going with these kind of educators that are doing these things to the young people of our country? Let's start telling the truth. That appointment was never made at the request of Alderman Key. A little man who's supposed to be the highest of the vocation. A teacher, if you will, dedicated to tell the truth, implies that there were bad and vicious motives behind the appointment. That it's wrong. And he's going to tell us, Gilbert, the strong and student, what kind of truth is that? What kind of education? You can heckle all you want, and let's look at the record of the university. And what are they doing to the mind? Is this what's being told the students? And I made the appointment because his father was the head of the finance committee. I made the appointment because he's a fine young man. And a decent Chicago. And to do otherwise would be to be a faker. And that's what we have too much in the educational community today. Hypocrites and fakers. Afraid to tell and face the truth. Afraid to let the young people go into the combat of election contest. Now they want to stand behind the great university cloak and tell how wrong our country is. How wrong our society is when they know nothing about it and refuse to take any steps to correct it. 
and haven't got the guts to make the charge on this floor of what's wrong with this young man. That's what's being taught. And it's a sad day. A sad day when we hear words of this coming out of the university classroom. And he's not the only one. He's only typical of the large number that are in these universities polluting the mind. That's as angry as the first Mayor Daly ever got out in the open as he paced back and forth on the mayor's roster in the city council. The unusual way the sun got emotional was much different. It was uncomfortable to be in the room in 92 when Daly cried. His son had defied his parents and threw a secret party at the Grand Beach summer home. When some party crashers showed up, out came a baseball bat, and the injuries that followed got the sun in hot water with the law. I'm very disappointed. It was apparent. Would be if your son held a party in their home while his parents were away. I'm more deeply distressed for the welfare of the young man who was injured in the fight. My son and Maggie and I will talk with authorities today and fully cooperate with that's as emotional as Daly ever got in public. Later, the son showed up in a city contract. First, I did not know about his involvement in this company. As a doubt, he made that decision. It was a lapse of judgment for him to get involved with this company. Uh, I wish he hadn't done it. I know the expectations for elected officials, their families are very high, rightfully so, especially for me, as I know on a daily basis. But also, I hope those people understand that Patrick is a very good son. I love him. Maggie died. I'm very proud of him. And, of course, Daly got emotional about his wife, Maggie, because she was courageously battling cancer. My, my wife, Maggie, who, to me, is a commitment to all of us in the arts. Daly never apologized for getting emotional in front of the cameras and microphones. There's nothing wrong with emotion. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I don't know why you think people should not have emotion in public life. So maybe you don't have it in your industry, but people do have it. We do have emotion. We do. We're not all actors and actresses. Actually, Daly's father used to say his mother had the best idea. Too much has been said about how bad a shape we're in. That's why mother said, God love her. If you're broke, don't let anyone know it. Uh, get the best suit you get or a straw hat and, and put on the greatest front. And uh, because after all, everything in life is your presentation. But he... Now, Daly the Sun could be very sarcastic. Once I asked him if he thought the press exaggerated stories. Oh, no. No. Never, never, never. They never exaggerated. No. He loved to argue he was more virtuous than we reporters. When asked if he got paid to appear in a furniture store commercial, he said this. No, I wasn't paid. I'm not like you. <laughs> You get paid every day to ask questions. They get paid to ask questions, so I don't get paid that. No, I wouldn't ask any money. Daly said he thought the press exaggerated the effect of the great flood in the tunnels under the loop in 92. There's no one injured and no one killed. 
sometimes you wish people were injured or killed. That makes your business much happier. But back in 85, when extreme heat killed literally hundreds of Chicagoans, it was hard to exaggerate that story. But at first, Daly tried to brush off all the questions about it. It's hot. It's hot. I know. It's very hot. It's, yesterday we broke our records. I hope we don't broke records. I mean, we all have to. We all have our little problems, but let's not hold out of proportion. It's, it is a crisis. It's hot. It's hot out there. Let's. We all walk out there. It's very, very, very hot. It's like getting heavy snow. It's like getting real cold weather. Yes, we go to extremes in Chicago, and that's why people love Chicago. We go to extremes. Daly thinks his legacy is the public schools, a lot more school buildings, and rising elementary student achievement scores. His father was always fighting for more school aid. The kids in the large cities of America have been cheated too long out of what they're entitled to in the way of financial aid for education. And anyone says that we have enough money in keeping the needs of education for the youngsters of Chicago, don't know what the hell they're talking about. Back in 75, he went down to Springfield to ask a joint session of the legislature to override a governor's school aid veto. You're talking about politics. I told you when I come down there, we're not talking of a struggling that controller the party. I'm not struggling for anyone. I'm not a candidate for any office. I won and won six times. I'm standing here to talk to the kids of Illinois, and I don't give a damn who likes it. That was one of the few legislative fights Richard J. Daley ever lost. The Dailies could be philosophical. Our whole skyline, it isn't artificial. It, it, it is, uh, it, it's like a child uh, being born and going through, a woman going through pregnancy and then have a child and allow a child grow. Chicago's skyline just grew naturally. It wasn't artificial. It wasn't just stuck in there and put in there in a way that's it's artificial. He probably got this philosophical bent from his father. There's so much for nothing in this life if we appreciate it. And it's so good. And there's nothing, nothing as wholesome as a fish. Richard I was also philosophical about all those charges of racial discrimination. There's no discrimination here. I look around and I see all types of our society, all elements of our society. And that's the picture I'd like to have always in mind for Chicago. My mother and grandmother, God bless them, would make quilts, so did your mothers and grandmothers. And they take patches of every description and put them together. And then they made one quilt. That's our Chicago that I'm so proud of. We take all the all the We take all the elements. All society. There never is a aristocracy in our city because our people didn't come for an aristocracy. Well, the dailies tried to be practical if not poetic. After 9-11, there was Daly's practical plan for evacuation of the loop in case of a terrorist attack. Keep walking. I mean, you, you, can't, well, you can't send them to the L. You can't put them underground. They keep walking down the street. Uh, you know... And don't ask if you think City Hall is safe. This is a very safe building, but again, you know, what you've done after 9-11, bang, bang. I mean, it's always anything that goes. And speaking of walking, here's some Mayor Daley candor about government workers. They're not customer-related. They're going to leave at 5 o'clock, and they're going to leave at 4.30 or 4 o'clock. I'm sorry, we're on the time clock. They walk out. 
And then there were the unions that opposed him on bringing Walmart into the city. That put him in preacher mode out in the black community. Not one person objected to any type of store in the suburban area. No one said, Mayor, you're wrong. No one said the aldermen are wrong. No one said the community wrong or church leaders. Only in the west side. Only in the south side. There's we can object to. At the same time, it was all right for the north and southwest side to get the big boxes before this. It was all right. No one said anything. But all of a sudden, we talk about economic development in the black community. There's something wrong there. And the teachers union really got to him. I asked for 15 minutes, not for Mayor Daly, but for the students that we give to the students an extra 15 minutes. They unanimously voted over seven delegates against me. Unless we're paid, we're not going to do it. That's the sad thing. On the other hand, he didn't always get his marching orders to the teachers right. And what we're saying today is that there are no excuses for children to learn. And in a related vein, Daly was President George W. Bush's favorite mayor. Then there is my most famous statement. Rarely is the question asked. Is our children learning? <laughs> Let us analyze that sentence for a moment. If you're a stickler, you probably think the singular verb is should have been the plural are. But if you read it closely, you'll see I'm using the intransitive plural subjunctive tense. <laughs> so the word is are correct. <laughs> so Bush and Daly had something in common. This is Connected to Chicago with Bill Cameron. A look at the top stories of the week with the people making, covering, and talking about the news of the day. Podcasts are available online at WLSAM.com. Now, Bill Cameron. Back now to more of Mayor Daly's greatest hits as he turned 79 this weekend. Well, when others complained that they didn't like some of their entrance exam test results, Daly was always quick to say that he didn't either because it took him three tries to pass the bar exam. I flunked the exam bar exam twice. I did not like the results. I personally did not like the results. What did you do? You studied harder, right? I studied harder and I passed it the third time. And if government workers didn't like their jobs... They don't like the job, they can quit. It's simple as that. Mayor Daly had some strong opinions about other folks, too, like lawyers. Well, one thing about lawyers, you throw a nickel out in the corner and you get 500 lawyers. <laughs> and he hated drug kingpins. The true terrorists in America today are the drug kingpins. And how about those political analysts? They can do anything. They, they can analyze anything. You know that. Then there was Mayor Daly on the business community. I am very fortunate to have a corporate community to step on, whether it's edu step up on education reform or deals with airports or human relations or job opportunities. Caught himself on that one, but he meant it when he summed up Rod Blagojevich this way. Cuckoo. <laughs> And sometimes he lost his patience with the aldermen. A lot of people are against a lot of things. When it comes to, they come and ask me, Mayor, I want this. Mayor, I want that on the side door. So when they see nothing happening in their community, 
don't blame Mayor Daley. I believe you always have to move forward. I hope you don't infer that I don't understand struggling people. And he didn't like aldermen who pushed those feel-good ordinances. He didn't like, for example, that city council ban on foie gras. He called it the silliest ordinance ever passed. Just think, you'll go down every ethnic food in the city and you say, outlawed, 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 outlawed. You can't eat this, you can't eat that. The city of council will be sitting in your basically kitchen to determine whether or not what you should eat on a Sunday after church. And he thought it was silly when one of his challengers said the office of mayor shouldn't be passed down to him like it was a family heirloom. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, nothing's a heirloom. But he got a kick out of some of the aldermen. Here he is back in 92 presiding over the city council, cackling at Alderman Burton the Terrace. I don't know of a more dangerous activity in the city of Chicago than these wheeling and dealing people with the helmets and the pads and the fancy short pants called bicycle messengers. I want you to know that you almost lost an alderman a few days ago. <laughs> Let's not vote on that. And I want you to know that this guy was swift. This guy was swift. But the talking heads in Washington were another matter altogether. And we have crossfire, backfire, front fire, whatever you want to call them. You look where there was radio and talk programs are unbelievable. You know, liberals, conservatives, you know, a former Democrat, Republican, they're on there and they get paid for it. And, they, you know, they make up their, you know, we yell at each other and, you know, it's, they go out and have a drink. Uh, you know, it's a show. It's entertainment. And I think, uh, unfortunately, Washington has been an entertainment capital for a long time. Daily love to, to mock liberal Democrats in the Senate for being afraid to make gun control an issue. Where are I? Where is the U.S. Senate? Spending 24 hours in Iraq, and they're demanding that the people of Iraq should not carry guns. But in America, you can carry guns. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are, you can carry a gun. There's no national debate by the Democrats or Republicans on gun violence or guns in America. We have to stay away from that because we want to protect all our candidates. Daly also didn't like it when the state of Michigan asked the courts to close the Chicago locks to keep the Asian carp out of Lake Michigan. He thought the real crisis at the time was the big oil spill down in the Gulf of Mexico. Oil is worse than carp. Oil basically destroys your drinking water. Drinking water destroys. Remember, that is worse. Oil is worse. You cannot drink the water. Go down to the Gulf and they'll find out what's happening to the oil spill. And the mayor didn't like whiners. We have become a country of whiners. Yeah, we, we, we are. <laughs> My theory. We started whining about the Japanese. The Japanese are going to take us over. You know, we thought we'd defeat them in the Second World War. We built it. They're taking us over in 1970. What's going to happen to America? They're going to own our country. That's it. We're all out of jobs. And then we start whining about the Mexicans. We're losing all the manufacturing to Mexico. Look what's taking place. We cannot compete. We can't do this. We can't do this. Now we forgot about the Mexicans. Now we're whining about the Chinese and the Indians. We're a country of whiners. That's all we are. We should, we should have enough confidence that we can compete compete with people if we all sacrifice a little bit for the common good. And if we do that, we can compete with any nation. That attitude came directly from his father. And I don't whine or cry about what happens to me in a campaign or happens to me any place. You take the things as they are. And you don't, you don't turn out to be a crybaby or a whiner. You, you realize you have your ups and your downs in this business. And, 
you don't care. Well, you care very much whether they're up or they're down. You just keep moving along. Most of all, of course, Mayor Daley hated guns. If we're worried about terrorists spending billions of dollars worrying about terrorists, aren't we worried about 30,000 people get killed by firearms in America? He couldn't stop talking about guns. Welcome to America. Americans kill each other every day. We kill each other. Not in Afghanistan, not in Iraq. Good old America. We, we manufacture the guns and we kill ourselves. And he whipped out his best sarcasm for the U.S. Supreme Court tossing out Chicago's handgun ban. Well, the thing I can't understand is that I can't go to the Supreme Court with a gun. Why not? Why can't I go on the Supreme Court and sit there with a gun and listen to the arguments? If a gun is so important to us on the streets or someone's home, why can't I go to the Supreme Court and sit there with a gun? At one of his many gun control news conferences, one reporter he didn't like asked if he thought the handgun ban the Supreme Court tossed out had been effective. Daly held up a rifle with a bayonet on it and said this. If I put this up your, your butt, you'll find out how effective it is. Daly could be emphatic about other things, too. He never, ever, 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 ever mentioned that to me. And I understand people are candidates. They will say a lot of things. I understand that. And I don't mind that. But never, ever, ever did he ever mention that. And here he is in 99 on the effect of towing and impounding the cars of graffiti taggers. Big. How big? Big, 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 big. No, no, no. It's, yeah, it's. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, people love their cars. Something else Daly liked was dibs. The practice of reserving a parking spot for yourself in a big snow if you dug out the spot. Oh, yeah, that's Chicago style. I put a chair there and I dug that out in front of my house. You better believe it. You better not park there. <laughs> And, of course, Daly loved public relations. You know, you have to PR. You have to PR. You know, you have to have public relations. If you don't, then you're kidding yourself. Because if you don't do public relations, then who are you going to talk to? Yourself? And he liked the death penalty. And that frustrates me. I'm pro-death. I'm a death penalty proponent. I believe in it. And, of course, Daly was pro-trees. You talk about a tree person right here. I'm a tree hugger. I mean, I, I, mean, uh, I see him cutting down a tree. You know, I, I'm, uh, you know I'm a little upset. The 600,000-plus trees he planted in the city will probably be Daly's longest-lasting legacy, along, of course, with being the mayor who couldn't speak straight. But he could laugh at himself about that. <laughs> there you have Mayor Daly's greatest hits as he turned 79 on Saturday. On to the round table now with Lynn Sweet of the Sun-Times. Hi, Lynn. Hi, everyone. Ray Long of the Tribune. Hey, Ray. Hey there, Bill. Greg Hines of Cranes. Hey, Greg. Sir. And Heather Sharon of WTTW. Hey, Heather. Hey, Bill. Well, Ray, let's talk with the story you and Rick Pearson had on Friday, uh, which I call, I'm, I'm slugging it, words with extortionists. <laughs> What's this one all about? Well, uh, the State Board of Elections uh, has had uh, on administrative leave its top official, the executive director, Stephen Sandvoss. And they were only putting out sort of innocuous statements that he had some issue going on with uh, social media. And so um, 
poking around a little bit on that, uh, it turns out that the uh, State Board of Elections, a bipartisan group, had received a letter from Sandvoss explaining what was going on. And it turns out that he was playing uh, in a chat room on uh, a, uh, one of the social media uh, apps and then uh, uh, was talking to somebody who identified themselves as a woman and uh, then they talked off on a different in a Google Hangout and he sent a picture of himself uh, and then extortion uh, efforts were made by this uh, person who he didn't even really know and uh, we found out uh, they had flirted a little bit, and uh, then this extortion note said that, uh, you know, pay me $3,000 on one of these cards you can use to get a cash advance, at, or I'm going to send out a note that will ruin you. And so um, Sandvoss, who has national security clearance uh, because of the run hacking uh, scandal that went on in L Illinois few years ago in the 2016 election cycle uh, was put himself into this position that really upset some of the board members. Now he's out and uh, he is uh, on uh, paid leave until uh, June 30th and he will be gone from the state board of elections. It's anarchy out there. And I, I, I call it words with extortionists because your story identifies one of the social media sites as words with friends. I guess yeah. I'm not. I guess I'm not surprised these days, Greg. But uh, what is your take on this? It's it's clearly a mess. I mean, I mean, Ray did a good job of running it down. Um, uh, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but. Uh, you know, there seems to be a constant in government that uh, people get themselves somehow in compromising positions where they, where the people end up paying the, the cost in terms of the compromise are us. Not good. And, Heather, this is not the first time this has happened. We had something like this with a state rep, Ron Sandak. So should they know better by now, Heather? Uh, they should. Everybody should know better uh, that whatever you say on the Internet might seem like it's fleeting and will never come back and haunt you, but uh, we should all know by now that everything we do is public and has the chance to come back and uh, bite you. Uh, I think this is an interesting sort of coda to the 2016 attempted hack of Illinois' election systems by Russians, uh, according to the special counsel, because, of course, had that never happened, uh, Steve Sandvoss never would have had national security clearance, and perhaps would still be in his job. Yeah. Lynn, what is your take on this? Well, when you have national security clearance, it is a really, really, really big deal to have. Uh, and it's a ticket to other jobs when you have it. It's a huge loss. I don't know anything other than what you have just said about this website and if it really poses an egregious bad judgment to hang out on that or not. Uh, but maybe the lesson is if you have a national security clearance, you do have to hold yourself to a higher standard and voluntarily perhaps not engage on things that you have a perfect right to uh, on social media with a warning that 
you could get in trouble. By the way, uh, did this blackmailer know who he was and what he did for a living? Well, that's that's unclear right now. We don't don't know the full extent of what uh, this person who was uh, allegedly extorting Sandvoss knew about him. He Sandvoss said that he did not mention anything about him working at the State Board of Elections, but of course, he's not high profile, but high enough profile that people rooting around about the election board could have found him very easily. Wait, so he Next. used his real name and whatever this cat site was? Still a lot of still a lot of details unclear uh, as far as that goes, but it puts um it it raises the whole question of whether he should have been playing around with a game that he didn't know who was on the other end and sending a picture of himself too, which could have been photoshopped onto something that would have oh, yes. been See, that's, that's potentially embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. move on to a couple of minutes of Mayor Lightfoot this week scolding the press. Not everybody, but just ones who she said were reporting rumors and shouldn't be doing that. Let's listen. What's clear to me is that people who um, don't like how we're moving forward and breaking up the status quo are trying to spread ugly, offensive, and false rumors in order to create chaos. And some of you are taking a bait. And so one of the things I would just say to you all is ask yourselves, when you see this madness circulating on on uh, social media you don't have to be like fish and bite at every piece of chum that's cast on the water some of the stuff that's out there that you guys take as legitimate is outrageous and preposterous on its face uh, I, I, me, i'm not finished let me just finish it's preposterous on its face you're not doing a service to anybody by giving credibility to nonsense. You're not. And, and frankly, I think it delegitimizes the role of the media. We need a vibrant, thorough uh, media in this city that pushes all of us, that holds all of us accountable. But you're not doing that when you roll around in the depths of cesspools created by anonymous people on social media. Now, none of us were reporting rumors, but Heather, you were in the room when she said it. Put us at the scene. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was clear that these rumors, which really took over Chicago media Twitter um, over the weekend, had really gotten under her skin. And to one extent, you you can't blame her because they were really deeply personal. And as she said on Twitter, it meant that she had to explain it to her 13-year-old daughter. And I think all of us who are parents can sort of empathize with that. But I would suggest that perhaps the mayor and she was sort of uh, teed off by questions about whether Superintendent David Brown was planning to resign or would be fired because he hadn't appeared in public for more than two weeks, especially given what happened uh, to Adam Toledo and the whole controversy. And that's what set her off. And I think that it's important to clarify that our job is to clarify issues, to pose questions. And it is not the same um, as thing to ask 
a, a question that has news value to the public of Chicago, uh, that's a completely different thing than sort of passing along unsubstantiated, unsourced, uh, unfactual rumors. So I think, unfortunately, the mayor conflated the two of those a little bit. Um, although it's always good to hear an elected official uh, talk about the, the need for the news media to participate in democracy. Greg, uh, when I was going to German school back in the 60s in Ernie Pyle Hall of Indiana University, they always taught us uh, not to report rumors or bomb threats because doing so just leads to more of both. What was your take on this one? Uh, my take is that that was basically good advice you got in, in J school, uh, but the world has changed, and we all, media and mayors, are having trouble adapting to it. And now, in this particular case, I, I, I share with uh, with Heather the the sense that the, the mayor had every right to be outraged. These, these rumors involved her personal life; they were really graphic, they were really nasty. Uh, one news organization. Uh, uh, printed them pretty much in its entirety, uh, attributed them to uh, a tweet from a former mayoral candidate and opponent of uh, Lori Lightfoot's. Um, but what gave the the papers in Chicago and then the TV stations uh, and then the radio stations uh, the excuse to write about this is, is is the mayor decided to talk about this in a tweet herself. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, and I'm not sure. I know there was a debate uh, among her advisors about whether that was wise or not. But uh, but uh, when, when the mayor says it, then all of a sudden it becomes fair game. Even if you don't go into it, you you, you raise that really sexy uh, uh, click. A question of well, what's the mayor? What, what exactly happened? What's the mayor complaining about? But but she she kind of invited it in doing it. I I think I would have handled it a different way. I maybe would have had uh, my friends or advisors try to quietly knock this down behind the scenes rather than formally commenting on it two days in a row. Um, you know, above and beyond that, um, uh, the mayor is is kind of guilty of what she's accusing other people of doing here. If you listen, go back and listen to that clip you just paid. She's talking about her political opponents who are against agents of change uh, like her. Now, she didn't say who it was, but, uh, but allies of the mayor were, were out there suggesting that uh, that uh, one group of city employees who don't like what she's doing was was actively pushing this stuff out there. You know, if they have some proof of that, they ought to present it on the table and put it out there. And if not, they shouldn't say it because it's just, because if they do it without backing up, guess what? It's just more rumoring. I agree with all that, but uh, Ray, I think the mayor does have a point. What do you think? Uh, when I was a rookie reporter in, at the Peoria Journal Star, you know, 40 years ago, uh, Ed Limbeck, the city editor, said, We don't report rumors. And um, that was just a rule, you know. And sure, if there's something out there that is swirling around, you check it out, but you don't rush to put it into print. You don't rush to put it on the Internet. You don't rush until you know what is real and what is not. And then you make a logical, discernible decision based on facts. And that's what uh, we come up against here today in this whirlwind of uh, baloney that gets thrown onto the social media. We, we see um, this as kind of a subset of the, of the slanted news media that are out there, and they'll raise questions, and then somebody will think that's a fact, and then they'll, then they'll run with it and get twisted out there, all kinds of wrong and incorrect information. We're reporters who are out there sifting through and trying to 
get to the best of our ability, to the best of human ability, the actual facts and truth. And uh, she has a point for calling out the people who don't do that. Call us old timers, but I agree with that. How about you, Lynn? What's your take on this? Well, I'm agreeing with everybody. You know, we have, as professional reporters, we have an even higher standard in these times where so many people have access to social media. And uh, if, if you, we have to do better than what somebody could do who's sitting, uh, who, who's not a reporter, who's like sitting at, you know, just in their apartment or house in Chicago retweeting somebody's tweets. So I understand the mayor's frustrations, especially when it's personal. Uh, and a rumor dealing with a personal thing is, is, is you know, we, we have to check out rumors. If there's a rumor somebody's going to be hired or fired or there's a, some project, of course, that's what that's just what we do. I usually don't call it a rumor as much as a tip. Is it right? Is it wrong? If it's not true, then you move on. So uh, I can understand why she said that. Hey, we should talk about Ed Burke. Uh, well, Greg, Greg, tell us, tell folks how you think we got spun by the feds uh, the Ed Burke story this week. Well, the Fed, as part of the prosecution, released a lot more details to, to back up the, their charges. That's part, that's part of the normal process um, uh, and is to be expected, and, and uh, there's no problem with it. Where my eyebrows went up, Bill, is when, uh, in the course of that, uh, they, uh, they included some information suggesting that Ed Burke had made anti-Semitic remarks. Um, you know, that immediately, the Feds are no fools. Uh, they know what's going to, what the media is going to bite on, uh, and that was in the headline all over town, uh, and in the first few few seconds of uh, of all electronic media broadcasts, um, uh, you know, and the, the excuse for the the feds gave for doing that is, oh, well, uh, um, uh, Burke was the context was it was as Burke was saying that uh, oh. Um, uh, he had a he had a he had something the ability to uh, take care of a zoning matter uh, that would trump uh, any kind of a uh, uh, desire of of, of of Jewish developers to give the project to one of their own and that therefore people ought to hire his 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 company. Um, I don't know. It struck me that uh, there's no question that Ed Burke, uh, if, if, if what the feds have said is, is correct, was out there saying, you know, hire my law firm because I can take care of all your zoning needs it's a two for one you didn't really have to go into the anti-semitic part of that uh it struck me as, as a, a little gratuitous effort to kind of uh, make the world and potential jurors think that ed burke is not only a sneaky politician but he's a bigot too that struck me as, as they play hardball uh in the u.s attorney's office but this hardball struck me was a little below the belt it is difficult to resist but heather do you think we got spun I do not. And I think that if you are a Chicagoan who's interested in politics and you are surprised that Ed Burke perhaps has uh, expressed bigoted statements towards members of the Jewish religion, um, um, and pleased that you have lived under a rock for as many years as you have, um, I think this was directly germane to the case that the prosecutors were making to the judge. And in response to Ed Burke's own allegations that he didn't do anything wrong on these wiretaps, but he just was pursuing his work as an alderman and then separately as he's allowed to, as a property tax attorney, and that they said this statement 
is clear evidence that Ed Burke knew that the, the firm in question would not hire him unless that he could do something for them through his elected role as an alderman. So certainly there's, you know, a little bit of, you know, um, intake of breath because it was so anti-Semitic, um, which, and it was why when uh, Ed Burke was leaving the city council chambers on Wednesday, I asked if he wanted to apologize to Chicago's Jewish community for saying that. Uh, he did not respond and only said that his lawyers would respond in court to the prosecutor's uh, well, If I could, with, with all due respect, of course he didn't respond. What's he going to say? I'm not a bigot. Uh, the problem is that, is that, is that it's not illegal. Maybe it should be, but it's not illegal to be a bigot. Uh, what was illegal it was using his public position for, for private gain. And, and, and I'll uh, repeat, I just think, don't think they needed to get into this other stuff to make that point. That's the crime. Ray, what do you think? Did we get spun? Well, I think they were trying to get put out a spin there on it, but I think it was used to go to the point of his state of mind toward trying to uh, use his public position for private gain. And so I think um, they, yeah, they knew there was, there would probably be a headline that would be uh, draw condemnation. In fact, the uh, ADL, uh, local Midwest a ADL Anti-Defamation League, uh, put out a statement saying they were not only deeply concerned, but uh, that anti-Semitism has no place in Chicago, and they expected better from their elected officials. But I think there were a lot of things that were kind of uh, deeper in this uh, report that you had to look for. There were things like, you know, new clues that they had an, another cooperator or another cooperating witness who had caught a Burke on tape. There had uh, been things that even uh, he got nervous about, uh, about meeting with uh, some some people after he saw a story in the Tribune and had uh, decided to take back off of a, of a meeting where he might have uh, have uh, tried to cut some more deals or sw put some sway in there allegedly. So um, it was it was a long two hundred and twenty eight seven-page document, but I think that uh, the prosecutors put in a few uh, nuggets that people that would be eye-catching, and uh, they they caught everybody's eyes, and I'm sure they were trying to. Is it a spin? Well, I just think it was also another piece of what they were trying to do to prove their case. How about you, Lynn? What did you think of this one? Well, you know, clearly his, uh, you know, the, the feds characterize his remarks as distasteful, and that is, you know, th that's the least of it when, you know, when he he made the reference. And if there's an apology, it's not just to the Jewish community of Chicago. It's, it would be to the Jewish community overall. But having said that, uh, the case, uh, the, the overall thing to remember here is that the feds, are alleging that Ed Burke is one of the most corrupt figures presently operating in Chicago right now, and that let's keep our eye on you have in sitting in your city council a man who has been waiting for years to go to trial on these very serious allegations. And one of the questions I have, why is this moving so slowly? 
It's, does anyone have an insight into that? I think it's a number of tapes. I mean, there are thousands of tapes that yeah. uh, have to be reviewed, and that's part of it. But also the defense is raising every possible conceivable argument that then the prosecutors have to argue about, and that's what they were doing here. They were arguing about why things should be in the case and why some of their charges should be uh, legitimate and uh, trying to go up to to reinforce their arguments for the charges they made after Burke's people had a chance to shoot them down with a variety of legal arguments that are, you know, highfalutin, but sometimes not on point. So I I do have a quick question since you all are there in council. Does he have any real role now? I mean, I I know we're innocent, you know, we're presumed innocent uh, right at this stage, but is he he just... uh, of any real power, influence, or policymaking situation. So what's interesting about that is that Mayor Lightfoot said when she was asked about this filing that he was continuing to exercise his power on the Chicago City Council, but he was doing it through other people on the council. And I know a lot of people's eyebrows went up at that. And he's certainly less visible, but just in recent weeks, he has just, he lashed and raked over the coals these city's top financial officials about how they chose to spend the uh, first major federal relief package and was highly critical of them. So he's certainly, you know, not, you know, riding off into the sunset by any stretch of the imagination. He's just doing it in, at times, a more low-key way than he used to. We got to quit because we're all out of time. Thanks to Lynn Sweet of the Sun-Times, Ray Long of the Tribune, Greg Hines of Cranes, and Heather Sharon of WTTW. Up next, Lauren Cohn. This is Connected to Chicago. Podcasts are available online at WLSAM.com. I'm Lauren Cohn for Connected to Chicago. As more people get vaccinated, they are traveling, which is opening up room for scammers. President and CEO of the Chicago Better Business Bureau, Steve Burness, joins me. Thanks for being here. What are you seeing out there, Steve? Well, thank you for having me. The Better Business Bureau is really seeing fake websites are popping up pretending to be governmental sites. That Really, they're claiming that they will process your TSA pre-check or your global entry application. And these programs are always managed by the Department of Homeland Security, but these phony sites are trying to charge people for the application process or to obviously gain identity, identity information on the consumer itself. And one of the most dangerous parts of this scam is that the information you, you know, give to share them in order to get your global entry pass is really everything the scammer needs for identity theft, your name, your address, your birth date, your social security number, and even your passport number. So be very careful of these fake websites and only deal with the Department of Homeland Security website as you know it. Yeah, and I got an email about my TSA pre-check to update it, and I called just to make sure because I don't trust anything. What do you make of all the news out there about people uh, and their vaccine cards, laminating them or posting them on Facebook? The Better Business Bureau is very concerned about identity theft. It's the fastest-growing white-collar crime today, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you'll be a victim. So you don't want to give the scammer any additional information, so please don't post your identity, your 
your vaccine card online because it does have personal information on your birth date as well. And that's information you just don't want to give to the scammer because they need this information to, to steal your identity. And some doctors are saying uh, that you should not laminate these uh, vaccine cards because there might be some boosters needed, sometimes for the elderly or sometimes for everybody, and you need to put that shot down or that shot when you received it. So keep it in a safe place and take a picture of it on your email uh, so you have it uh, for future. All right. Any final tips for travelers out there, Steve? There's so many uh, fake offers out there now for travel sites and fake offer for, you know, uh, residential listings. You know, you can rent homes. So be very careful who you're dealing with. And if anybody wants you to pay unconventional payment methods, what I mean by that is either gift cards or some or you know, borrowing money that shows you the tip off to the rip off. Check any offer or, uh, you know, service with the Better Business Bureau for, for doing business with them. President and CEO of the Chicago Better Business Bureau, Steve Burnus. Always great information. I'm Lauren Cohn for Connected to Chicago. That's our show for this week. Thanks to Matt Mellon for production assistance. I'm Bill Cameron, WLS News. Connected to Chicago with Bill Cameron, a production of WLS News. Podcasts are available online at WLSAM.com. 